Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. The reading is from the 58th chapter of Isaiah. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voices like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet, day after day, they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast? a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of the evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations 
you shall be re be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to live in. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So almost nine years ago when I was in seminary in a preaching class, I was given an assignment to preach a practice funeral sermon. So I was given a sample obituary, a scenario of someone who died, and I wrote and I preached to my class what I thought was a perfectly fine funeral sermon. When I finished, my professor looked at me. He said my theology was solid and my speaking was okay. He said, clearly you have not been to many funerals. He was right at that point. Part of what I talked about in that funeral sermon, in that practice sermon, was that funerals stir up the fear of death for those who attend because they remind us that we ourselves someday are going to die. And I counted the other day. I think that I've preached 70 funeral sermons since then, and I understand a bit better what Dr. Geary was talking about because funerals are reminders of death, but they are not usually nearly as sad and as scary as I thought. And funerals, all of you, I trust, have been to a funeral. Funerals are about mourning, and it's sad. But they're also about celebrating the life of the person who's died, right? Especially when it's been a long, full life. And yet I stand by part of what I said in that practice funeral sermon. It is rarely a pleasant experience to be reminded of our own mortality, It does not feel good to be reminded that someday our earthly lives are going to come to an end. And tonight, for Ash Wednesday, that is exactly what we are doing. So thank you for showing up. We are here to engage in what might be the strangest, most countercultural ritual that the church does, to have ashes put onto our foreheads and be told, Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And this is not a popular message. Our culture does not like the idea of death. Death is something that we can't control. And we live in a culture that says it's all about me, that says the purpose of life is to live forever. And Ash Wednesday claims exactly the opposite. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And the church is supposed to be about the gospel, about the good news, right? It occurred to me as I was sitting there, people are going to come. This is your first time in this building. You're going to think, boy, this is a depressing church. People come to church for hope and encouragement, to hear you are loved, not to hear you're going to die. Where is the hope in the message? Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And yet some of you, I've heard me say, this is my favorite church service of the year, not because I am particularly excited about death, but because I see Ash Wednesday, I see tonight's service as a time for honesty. Being a Christian means admitting the truth that you and I cannot defeat death. And so Ash Wednesday is this time of repentance, a time to be honest about our sins, honest before God, about where we've failed, where we've fallen short. Tonight is about admitting what we already know is true. We need God's help. This service is about hope, but hope in God, 
rather than hope in ourselves, which is much more hopeful, I think. The entire season of Lent is about admitting, admitting that we don't have it figured out on our own, turning over what's broken in us to God, turning to God for salvation, letting go of our own false sense of control, and instead allowing God to give us life. This Lenten journey is about admitting that we are not good enough to make it to heaven on our own. It's about humility. We can't defeat death. It's about looking forward to the cross and the empty tomb on Easter where we see that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are made enough. God does what we cannot do. We are forgiven. And one of the ways we remind ourselves of this focus during the season of Lent is often through fasting, which of course is a part of Lent that our culture notices. If you start to Google, what do I do for Lent? What is Lent? You're going to find stuff about fasting. I remember one year right before Lent, I was watching Jeopardy! And the final question was, famous Catholics who've publicly answered this question include Susan Boyle, sweets, and Paul Ryan, beer. And the correct response was, of course, what are you giving up for Lent? How many of you have ever given up something for Lent? Some, quite a few. That tradition of giving up something for Lent is a version of the traditional Christian practice of fasting during Lent. Ash Wednesday, as a day, is intended to mark the beginning of a 40-day period of self-reflection and prayer and preparation as we anticipate Easter. I suppose we're a little late this year, but about 40 days. Go with the 40 days. The symbolism of those 40 days comes from the 40 days of rain and Noah's flood, the 40 years the Israelites wandered in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, 40 days that Jesus spent fasting in the wilderness. Some of us just heard the story this weekend. Many Catholics, of course, refrain from eating meat on Fridays during Lent, another particular form of fasting. And there is nothing wrong with fasting. Don't hear me say that there is. Throughout the Bible, fasting is often a way of showing sorrow or repentance from sins. It's a way to show how sincere you are, how seriously you're taking your faith, a way to demonstrate that you're putting God in front of yourself. That's a good thing to do, right? Fasting is a way to admit that your life is fragile, to be honest about what's important in life. Giving up stuff that we depend on is a reminder of how much we depend on God. Again, don't hear me wrong. It is good to give up something that distracts you from your walk of faith, that distracts you from prayer or keeps you from focusing on God. Take this opportunity. Try a new devotional practice. If you're fasting from a meal, spend that extra time that you have in your day with God. The danger of Lenten fasting the danger of giving up something for Lent, though, is that I think it's really easy for it to feel like a New Year's resolution. This is a special time to try making a change in your life, some sort of self-improvement. Some years I've tried giving up chocolate or soda, something like that. Again, making a positive life change? Fantastic! But the season of Lent is not intended to be about weight loss or detoxing or something like that. I saw an article last week titled How to Quit Just About Anything for Lent or Just Because. The Today Show a week ago had a graphic about 
Mark Wahlberg's 40-day challenge as if it were some kind of a new idea that he came up with, some sort of a fad to give up something for 40 days. What an original idea, right? Talk about missing the point of Lent. And that reading that Robin read from Isaiah warns about the risk of empty, meaningless fasting. Talks about for the people of Israel, fasting had become this ritual and only a ritual, a way for them to feel like they're doing their spiritual duty, mark it off the checklist. And their fast had become apparently all about themselves, about them appearing to have it all together. And so, Isaiah says, God sees their fasting and criticizes it. God tells the people their fast is missing the point. Humbling yourself to make yourself feel better doesn't do anybody else any good. It doesn't make God love you more fast. It doesn't help your neighbors. What's the point? Instead, the Lord says, is this not the fast that I choose? To let loose the thongs of in, the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see them naked to cover them? The fast God chooses, Isaiah says, is about serving others, looking past yourself, almost fasting from yourself a little bit. Fasting is a fine practice, but it's intended to serve others and be a benefit to our neighbors. Repentance means giving up your reliance on yourself, but it doesn't stop there. Living life God's way means living for others, putting others before your own needs, letting go of yourself so that you can hold on to others. Fasting means seeking justice for others, reaching out to those who need to hear a word of hope. And when we acknowledge the reality of death, we are set free to live. We can do justice. We can love mercy. We can act in this world, casting aside the hindrances of worry and fear of what others think. We can avoid the trap of trying to save or earn our way to salvation when we accept that we can't do it, when we accept our own powerlessness in the face of death, when we accept that eternity is in God's hands, then we can stop pretending that we've got it all under control. And then we can live in a way that's meaningful here, now. Our joy and our hope in life come from God, the one whose love has been poured out for us, the one who has given up even his own son's life for us. And because God has served us, because God has served us, we are called to serve others, to seek justice, to love our neighbors. That is the fast God delights in. And so the question for tonight, and really for all of Lent, is does our fasting matter? Does our practice of Lent make any difference for anyone? Does the way that we live match what we claim to believe? My favorite Gandalf quote from Lord of the Rings, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Will our limited time in this world make a difference? Lent begins 
with ashes and repentance. And that is important, even profound. But as you receive the ashes on your forehead tonight, notice their shape. The ashes go on in the shape of a cross, tracing the symbol marked on your forehead at baptism. Yes, you will die. But because of the cross, because you have been claimed by God and sealed by the Holy Spirit, there is hope beyond death. Death does not get the last word. Honestly acknowledging death, honestly acknowledging its power, frees us to live according to the purpose given to us by the God who has claimed us. God gives significance to your life. Throughout this season of Lent this year in our midweek services, we're going to be focusing on returning to God, admitting our need from God, our need for God, and fasting. But fasting in a way that matters. Not merely giving up something for Lent, but engaging in this fast God calls us to, this way of life that Jesus says we ought to live, an active fast serving the world God loves. And so as you engage this year in a fast that matters, May you find hope, hope for this life and hope for eternity in God's promises. May you find freedom in humble repentance and honesty. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I invite Pastor Vince to come and lead us in the confession printed in the bulletin. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaukee County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkports.org, or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.